Welcome to Keeping Work Human, a podcast series about tackling the tough topics of cultivating and maintaining strong organizational cultures. Each episode features pioneering CHROs and business leaders who share stories, learnings, and their path forward in a workplace that has changed forever. So hello, my fellow humans. I'm Steve Pemberton, the Chief Human Resources Officer at WorkHuman. And today I'm joined by DEI expert, Cindy O'Young. She is Vice President of Inclusion, Culture and Change at Charles Schwab, an American multinational financial services company based in San Francisco. Cindy, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Steve. And I assume you are calling from San Francisco? I am. I am based in the San Francisco Bay Area, just south of the city. Ah, great. And how long have you been there? I was born and raised in San Francisco, actually. Uh I am one of the few native San Franciscans that are still here, although I did ping pong between Northern California and Southern California over the course of my life, but San Francisco is definitely home. So a tried and true California girl, no matter which way you slice it, right? Oh, for sure. For sure. And tried and true city girl too. Like I am definitely of the more urban bent. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, for those of us who have spent the majority of our lives in uh, wintry confines, the idea of California <laughs> is always really appealing at this time of year because of uh, the warmth. As uh, You're spoiled, Cindy, I'm willing to bet. So, <laughs> You know, I have to agree with you. I am. <laughs> the weather here is always great. <laughs> yes, you're spoiled and we're envious. As, uh, winter warmers, I guess you might say. Well, I want to begin by asking just a bit about your background. When you go, you head off to university, there's not a major called diversity, equity, and inclusion, generally uh, speaking. Tell me a bit about your pathway to this work and then to Charles Schwab. Yeah, you're absolutely right. There, there isn't usually a straight line path into this work. And my story is probably no different from many other folks that you've interviewed in the DEI space. So I, when I was in university undergrad, I majored in uh, marketing, finance, and psychology because I really wanted to go into a marketing career and specifically work at ad agencies doing consumer research and strategic branding. I've always been curious about people. And at the time, I knew that I wasn't going to be a doctor, lawyer, or an engineer. So business seemed kind of like the next best thing. (laughs) And going into a marketing field allowed me to indulge that curiosity about what motivates people to take action and to do things and how do you influence them, in this case, to buy different products and, and to connect to different brands. So I ended up doing that for about 10 years before I decided to go back to grad school. And this is one of my forays into Southern California where I went to UCLA and initially went to grad school with the intention of going into nonprofit management because I wanted to launch my own nonprofit. Mm-hmm. Ended up talking to quite a few people who were doing that, managing their nonprofits. And they all said, Cindy, you know, what we need are people with business acumen. So you should probably spend some more time out in the business world because we could really use a skill set like that. And so I I took that to heart and really listened to it. And at the same time, I was taking a diversity management course. And we had somebody from Toyota who was in that role 
come speak to the class. And that's when the light bulb came on for me, when I realized that this was a job that you could do. And instead of being on the outside, knocking on doors and hoping they would open, I could actually be on the inside of a company and open the doors for other people. And so that's when I decided to make the switch and really intentionally diving into diversity, equity, inclusion as a seal, which at the time, and I'm dating myself now, you know, this was close to 20 years ago, where the field itself was fairly nascent, right? It was much more focused on compliance as opposed to really inclusion. And so, it, and it was something that only really large companies had. So I had to really network and work my way into a role where I finally landed at Intuit as part of the two founding team members of their first corporate diversity and inclusion strategy. Mm. Mm-hmm. And that really set the rest of my path. So I really helped to launch their first set of DEI initiatives right around training, around a diversity council, their first employee resource groups. Then I decided after a few years there to go to Yahoo to do that on a global stage and ended up going from there to a startup, doing my own consultancy until I came and landed at Schwab. So I've been doing this work for now a very long time, both in tech companies and now financial services. And it's really sort of part of my purpose and core passion. Yes. So given that longevity, 2020, has uh, that been a real difference based on other kind of shifts and trends that you've seen over that time? What's different about 2020 or is there anything different about it? Oh, 2020 is so different from like 2000, 2001, right? In that when I think about what's gone on in the field, like the idea that diversity and inclusion is a business imperative as opposed to compliance regulated need has really driven a lot of progress in this space. Inclusion as a driver for innovation has, I think, taken a strong hold in a lot of companies who have since realized that this is a really strategic part of how you do business. And, you know, I think that the rise of employee expectations and activism in this space is also something that has increased exponentially over time. The level of trend. I wanted to ask about that. How does employee activism show up when you're talking about it that way? What does it look like for organizations? Yeah, it is employees really leveraging and using their voice, telling leaders what their experiences are like and whether or not they feel like that's satisfactory, right? What their expectations are of leaders today and, you know, where, where they feel like how companies need to stand for their values and have integrity with those values and demonstrate that in their everyday. I think employees are much more vocal about their expectations in this area. And you see that through how they're expressing themselves through social media, right? How they are taught being part of employee resource groups and advocating for their communities internally, how a lot of organizing, internal organizing, I mean, tech companies, right? Like Kickstarter is like one of the first tech companies that actually has a union for their employees. So 
you see them really starting to pull together and realize that there's so much that they can do in terms of using their voices to advocate for things like transparency around diversity numbers and better working conditions and transparency around pay in, inside their companies and things like that where we're, they're trying to promote more equitable outcomes for people. Mm-hmm. Mm. I wanted to ask a bit about what we've seen in 2020 around this topic specifically. You know, when you began early on in this work, I suspect that we always operated with this philosophy that there was broad parts of society that was open to the conversation, wanted to engage in a steadily upward trend on matters of equity. But 2020 and probably a couple of years before that has revealed something else. We've seen almost this like backlash against a diversification of America in particular, but not just America, other societies as well. One, is that what you're seeing? And two, how do we begin to address that? That is a deep question, Steve, and I don't know that I have any right answers around that. I do think that there has definitely been more of a backlash to this kind of work that in 2020 and a couple of years leading up to it than I've seen previously, for sure. I think that a lot of that comes from either a lack of understanding around what this work is really about or, you know, from a sense of fear that people may be losing something if other people get an opportunity, get the same access to that opportunity, maybe otherwise would have been had. So justified or not, valid or not, everyone has their own view of their own experiences. And I that can result in people just feeling like it's sort of an us versus them kind of dynamic. Yes. Yeah. Which, you know, I think is part of fallacy of the backlash that we're experiencing. Mm where this work really isn't about pitting one group against another or or having a zero-sum game where somebody has to lose something in in order for somebody else to gain. I always talk about this work as being part of a, how do you actually make the pie bigger so that you create more opportunities for more people to have access to, right? So that we're, we're all like in this together and helping each other because we want to be better humans on this earth, right? Right, right, which is, in many ways, the history of this country anyway, is that is, it is the expansion, actually, of the playing field that has allowed us to attain a degree of success. It's not isolation, it's not fear, it's not, and, you know, we say we're human all the time, and you know, we take a great deal of pride in creating a platform that allows people to kind of move past labels into more of the human experience that comprises all of our lives. Tell me a bit about what Charles Schwab has been doing along you know, these fronts and how, you know, Charles Schwab, are you making distinctions between diversity, equity, and, and inclusion? Yeah, so we, Charles Schwab, you know, since its founding 40 plus years ago, I think that we have always been cognizant of the need for diversity and inclusion. If you think about kind of what Chuck Schwab did, right, 
he's always been about challenging the status quo. And at the time when he founded the company, for him, it was about, you know, how do you actually bring Wall Street to Main Street and make investing accessible to everyone? And that is still a core part of who we are and what we do. We try to make investing and great financial outcomes accessible to everyone. So that permeates the culture in really, really strong ways where it shows up to this, you know, really deep commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion. So we have always celebrated all of the various cultures that are represented within Schwab. We have really strong employee resource groups, some of whom that have been around for 30 years. I'm, which is an extremely long time, right? <laughs> and over 35% of the company currently are members of an employee resource group. We have leaders that are strongly committed to driving diversity and inclusion initiatives and action plans within their specific organizations. And we are really invested in educating people across the board around how you know, different principles around what does inclusion mean, right? How does that show up? What does it mean to be an inclusive leader? You know, incorporating that lens into really all of our aspects of people management and talent process. And then that also translates to how we treat our clients, right? Because we, we have clients who represent a across the spectrum of backgrounds and experiences and cultures. And we, we want to be able to reflect that inside Schwab and to serve that effectively as well. It means being cognizant of what those differences mean and, and how, how that can impact a client's future. Mm-hmm. So we, we do a lot to make sure that we are treating all of our clients with the dignity and respect that they deserve. Absolutely. Well, last thing I want to ask is about the future in 2021. And specifically, you know, assuming that we, we can ever have, we have to have hope and optimism that there will be a post-COVID world. What are some of the perspectives, responsibilities, and approaches that HR leaders are going to have to have as we head into 2021? You know, I think one of the key things is having empathy and designing your processes and policies and practices in a way to support all of the different needs that we see across the spectrum of our employees. So, you know, I think things like dealing with the the pandemic as it currently is, which, you know, I, I don't see necessarily ending anytime really soon. I think we're still going to be dealing with that throughout most of 2021. It means that we have to be really careful about how we bring people back into our offices and balancing kind of the need to keep our operations running smoothly and effectively and still effectively serving our clients with our employees' safety and health and how that translates to kind of how they manage through this pandemic from both a work and a life perspective and making sure that we have the right practices and policies and benefits available to people to provide the support networks that they need to get through this 
and still deliver for our clients. And so I think that there's going to be a much more, if I look at 2021, I think there's going to be much more flexibility for employees and how they work. I think that there's going to be a lot more emphasis on different types of benefits that we can offer to people to help support and increase their support networks and mental health through this as well. And I think that we are going to find just more creative, innovative ways to solve the need to build more community, both within our companies, with our employees, as well as across boundaries with our clients as well. Uh, I like your crystal ball there, Cindy, uh, for, for, for sure. Yeah. And thanks for, for, for joining us and in, in for the enlightening discussion. Um, we are actually recording this on, as you can tell from my sticker, on election day. So we don't, it's early enough in the day, we don't know the outcome, but we've both done our part you know, as well. Absolutely. I have my I voted sticker. I did that earlier in the month when I uh, sent in my mail-in ballot. So I'm not wearing it today, but this is indeed an exciting day for so many of us. And I'm looking forward to the outcome. Uh, as am I, as am I. Well, thanks again, Cindy, for joining us. To our listeners, if you enjoy Keeping Work Human, leave us a review and hit that free subscribe button to automatically receive our next episode. Until then, uh, stay human and thanks for listening.